for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Danny Phillips speaks on Thanksgiving being our divine assignment during the first week of our Thanksgiving series. have a special treat actually over the next month through the month of November um, we are going to do a special series and I invite you to partake if you miss I encourage you to watch I believe this next four weeks is an invitation of trans transformation and transition in your life into a blessed life, to a prosperous life in the kingdom. And so we're going to do a series called Thanksgiving. And um, I've kind of met with a team. It's been my heart to do that for a while. Gifted speakers in our body. We kind of met together and put this series together. And so I'm going to be tagging some of them and they're going to take it and I'm going to take it. And it's going to be a great four weeks. But today we have a special treat. Mr. Danny Phillips is gonna be sharing today. So why don't you come on, Danny? Come on up. My friend, that's all you got? Oh, goodness. That's all he's gonna preach on, that's amazing. I can't even see that. So. We love Danny in this house. We love Shannon, Carter, Joe in this house. Their family. We're so grateful when they get to be here and not out speaking somewhere. And we're so grateful when they're out speaking somewhere because we know they're advancing the kingdom somewhere other than these four walls, right? And so Danny's a powerful man of God, preacher, speaker, and a great friend. And I'm excited to receive and entertaining too. It's going to be fun today. All right. So I'm excited to receive the word. Thank you, brother. Amen. Love you, pastor. Hallelujah. Somebody give Jesus a good hand clap. Yeah. <clears throat> if you love him, say amen. amen. Or as they said in the country church I grew up in, amen. 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 <clears throat> you know, it's... Over the years, traveling uh, has afforded me the privilege to be around a lot of different people groups, ethnic backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, but I don't think I've found any more of a colorful, interesting people than those of rural Appalachia. <laughs> hey, I think about some of the people, the names of the people in the community I grew up in, which was here locally, Beanpole, Psycho, Booger Sharp, I'm not, I'm not joking, Mooch, Moon Eye, thank you. <laughs> I call two or three men our lips. 
just all kinds of interesting characters. And Bucket, uh, I grew up in between two Baptist churches. My grandparents took me to church as, as a child. And once I really started walking with God uh, when I was 19, I kind of come up as a young man in the, the full gospel slash Pentecostal type church. But as a child, I came up in two different Baptist churches because my grandparents would take me to church on my mom's side and my dad's side. Awesome people on both sides. One of them uh, was more of kind of a, a modern, contemporary type Baptist church. And the other one was kind of old school, backwoods at the foot of the mountain kind of Baptist church. And in one of our Baptist churches, we, uh, or in one of the churches I grew up in, we had this uh, pastor. He was a little skinny, uh, skinny, wiry little guy. And of course, I'm not making fun of these are awesome, godly people, just kind of unique you know, Appalachian type uh, stuff. But he was this little skinny, wiry guy and he talked with a real high-pitched voice like this. And I'm not joking, he did. And I think my dad's in the room somewhere, he, he would tell you that. But just a prince of a man, awesome man of God. But what was so funny about it, you had such a sharp contrast in the church because the most vocal person in the church would have been, if we use the terminology, Lee Deacon. He was this big old Sasquatch of a man had a head on him, son, like a basketball. I mean, fists look like boxing gloves. And uh, as a matter of fact, they called him Mulehead because they did, because before he got born again, he fought all of the time. Nobody could knock him out. And so they called him Mulehead. But once he got born again, I mean, he was a gentle giant. He would testify at the drop of a hat, sing at the drop of a hat, preach at the drop of a hat. But he talked with a real deep voice like this. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so the pastor, I don't know how many times I would hear him get up and do this. He'd say, you know, I've been thinking the devil is a liar. Now for you transplantees that don't understand rural Appalachia, for whatever reason, a lot of people in rural Appalachia, they don't say liar. If you tell a good and you're a liar. And he'd say, <laughs> he'd say, you know, I've been thinking the devil is the Lord. And every time that old deacon, he'd pop up and say, mm-hmm, and the father of it, buddy. Every single time he'd do it. <laughs> Just interesting, rural, Appalachia, awesome people. I don't know about you, even though the Vols got a spanking last night, they ain't no place like this place. I love our home, amen. And part of it is because this local church is here. We have become very, very fond of this place, very, very grateful for redemption life and what God is doing here. It's a very powerful place. And in saying that, I have a lot of friends and family in the room. And uh, as much as I appreciate you coming out to support me uh, this morning as I speak, really and truly, my heart's desire was to expose you to this environment, to this local church because it's such a powerful place and God's doing some incredible things here. And uh, if you would, go ahead and give me my title, and, or you got a title, but uh, first set of scriptures. And while we're getting there, again, friends and family in the room, thank you for coming. God bless you. I appreciate you. Yeah. Amen. And just for a moment here, uh, just to give honor where honor's due, my dad's in the room. I don't know where he's at. Uh, my dad, where are you at, dad? Wave. Somewhere. He's all the way in the back. Yeah. He, he's in the room and um, <clears throat> several others, but just for the sake of, of what the Word of God teaches us, in 1 Timothy chapter number 2, 
the Bible teaches us that we are to pray for those who are in rule and authority over us. And I know we mostly have Knox County uh, people in this room, but we have some Anderson County people in the room as well. And we're blessed this morning to have one of our county commissioners here with us. And this man has served Anderson County for years. He's on several different boards of, of Anderson County. And of course, most of y'all that know me work, know that I work for Anderson County. Uh, but this morning, uh, I want to uh, just bring attention to that again because the scripture teaches us that we need to pray for our leaders. And man, if we ever live in a time where we ought to be praying for our leaders, it's now. And I certainly hope I don't get fired over this, but my boss is in the room as well. And she is the mayor of Anderson County. If you would, Miss Terry, wave your hand. This is Mayor Terry Frank. And her husband, Lee. She's one of the most, uh, my family uh, adores Mayor Frank, and uh, I've been knowing her for several years now. And she loves God. She loves her job. She loves people. But I'll tell you another thing I love about her. She's a hard worker. That means something to me. I don't know how many times leaving this place on a Sunday, I go back by the courthouse because I live close to the courthouse. Her vehicle would be there. Don't know how many times drove by there on a Saturday going back to the house. Her vehicle would be there. And so I appreciate people like that. But these are leaders in our county that we certainly need to be mindful of and praying for. Amen. And so I'm so grateful to have them in the room this morning. If you're ready for the word, say amen. amen. My heart is so full and uh, just so we can kind of stay true to our tradition, our tradition will be done here around 11 th or 1230 uh, unless the Holy Ghost breaks out and moves in a different way. Praise God. Thanksgiving. Everybody say giving. giving. The first time I spoke at this church was around a year ago and um, around this time last year. And I spoke on Thanksgiving, but kind of as a phrase. And of course, I love to talk about that. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe that I gave the title of the message, or the title of the message was The Power of Thanksgiving. Because you show me somebody who lives with a grateful heart, and they live a life of thanksgiving, I'll show you somebody who's living a powerful life. People who are grumpy and ungrateful, they don't live spiritually powerful lives. So I'd love to talk about that, but uh, Pastor has had it in his heart to talk about giving. Now let me say to you real quick, most of the time when that phrase is used in a sitting like this, a setting like this, it makes us a little bit nervous because automatically our minds goes toward money. And while the principles of giving uh, do encompass money, there is far more to giving than just money or monetary things. As a matter of fact, there's two other uh, main portions when it comes to giving that in my humble opinion supersedes money, and that is time and talent. And the reason I would say that it supersedes it is because most of the time, the way that resources or treasure comes to us, it comes as a result of us using our time, putting our talent to work. Let me say this to you. Once you begin to understand this, you'll never run from work again. You'll run to work. Work is one of the ways that God gave you to get your purpose out. Let me try that again. Work is one of the ways that God gave you to get your God-given potential and purpose out. Once you really start 
understanding that you won't run from work anymore. You'll run to work because you know that's part of your assignment to get in you what God has put in you out. I was having a conversation with the mayor back some time ago, maybe a month ago, and I told her, I said, Mayor Frank, I'll never work for a paycheck again. I won't work for a paycheck again. I'm not working for a paycheck. I'm not working for a position. I'm not working for prominence. I'm working for purpose. And when you work uh, in that manner, what begins to happen is that resources come to you. You don't have to chase it down. It comes after you when you're working in purpose. And so when we talk about giving, it's far more than just money. Uh, it does encompass the principles of giving, does encompass money. But there's also time and there is also talent that is involved as well. But to kind of launch into this, I want to build a foundation for a few moments uh, just talking about the nature of God. Because what you discover when you really begin to know the Lord, especially when you know Him as Father, one of the things that you'll notice and discover about God's nature is that He is a provider and He is a giver. Man, you see that so clearly about God when you get to know Him. He is a provider and He is a giver. Now listen, again, I grew up in the country church. And growing up in the country church, folk help you preach. I need a little help in here. I mean, say amen to this when I say something that's true. Amen? So work with me. <laughs> but let's start in Genesis, the beginning. If you would, I, I give you a couple of scriptures here. The book of Genesis is, again, the book of the beginnings. And it's a very, very powerful book to have understanding of because the book of Genesis is the seedbed to us of how God thinks. It's jam-packed with prophetic language that once you begin to get some understanding of the book of Genesis, really it's a master key to unlock the whole Bible. And it's not my place here to teach on eschatology, end time things, and I wouldn't do that. But even the book of the Revelation, if you want understanding of the book of the Revelation, a lot of people say that Daniel is the key book to interpret in the book of the Revelation, and I disagree with that. The book of Genesis is the key book to interpret in the book of the Revelation due to the fact that, again, it's the seedbed of how God thinks. It is full of prophetic language and symbols, and once you understand that language and those symbols, it unlocks other things in the Bible. Don't ever forget this. You do not need an outside source to interpret the Bible. The Bible will always interpret the Bible. A lot of times we try to go based upon CNN or uh, Fox News to try and judge prophetically what God is doing in the earth. And I'm not saying that God doesn't use the events of men to move in, but the Bible will always interpret the Bible. It needs no help from an outside source. God is good enough to take care of it all by himself. And so it would do us some real good to have some understanding of the book of Genesis. If you would, Genesis 1, I believe verse 28, I think is the, is the first scripture. 29. And God said, behold, I have given you, now notice this, every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all of the earth, and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed, to you it shall be meat or for meat. Everybody say meat. In other words, that's what you're going to eat, right? Next verse, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, 
I have given you every green herb for meat, and it was so. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to, to you until you really discover that everything God does is planned. It's always prepared. God doesn't fly by the seat of his pants. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. And when you look at these, these verses right here and you really break that down, what you begin to discover is that God provided for mankind every single thing that mankind would have need of in order to be sustained before he ever created a man. Before God ever creates uh, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, or a man, he creates the environment that that thing has need of in order to live, and he also creates the substance that it has need of in order to survive. As a matter of fact, when you back back up to Genesis 1 verse 11, not asking you to do that, but when you back back up to Genesis 1 verse 11, it's in that verse where God created the herb bearing seed. He created the, the tree bearing fruit whose seed was in itself. And it's not till you get to Genesis 1 26 where God says, let us make man in our image. In other words, God went out in front of everything in creation went ahead and gave it some provision before that thing ever came into existence. That ought to let you know how God feels about lack. Let me try that one more time. That ought to let you know how God feels about lack. Notice it's called provision. God seen out in front of the need and provided that need long before the thing that would need the need would ever come into existence. Good people, this is why the fall in the garden never caught God off guard. Why? Because the scripture teaches us in Revelation 13, 8, that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Long before a man ever came into this planet and had an opportunity to mess this thing up, God already had a plan in place, come on. God was already prepared and there's nothing that has ever came into this planet or one place that you've ever been in your life that God hadn't already went out in front of you, provided the need and gave you more than enough long before you ever got there. That's who he is. That's why he's called Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider, El Shaddai. He's more than enough. There's nothing you have need of that he hasn't already done. If you know I'm right about it, say amen to this. Notice God don't create the seed and give it to man and says, here, figure it out. God gave him the fruit first. Now the seed was in that fruit which put responsibility on the man to take what was given to him, enjoy the fruit of that, but to also reinvest it. And that principle has been established since the very beginning of creation. And Genesis 8.22 teaches us that as long as the earth remains, there's gonna be seed time and harvest. There's gonna be giving and receiving. There's gonna be sowing and there's gonna be reaping. But one thing I want you to see in creation is that God is a provider. Not just in the creation, but when you, when you survey the scriptures as a whole, from Genesis all the way to the book of the Revelation, you see that God is a provider. 
You move on just a little bit farther in the book of Genesis, and he's a giver. You, you move on a little farther in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 12, verse 7, and God told Abraham, unto you and your seed, I'll give this land. Everybody say, God's a giver. When you read the first five books of your Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, you shift on in the book of Exodus and God gave them deliverance from the Egyptians. They got on over into the wilderness. He gave them a fire by night and a pillar of a cloud by day. God is always giving. He gave them manna. He gave them quail. He gave them water from a rock. God has always, since the conception of anything would come in this planet and have a need, God has always been the giver and the provider. You get on over in the middle of the Bible, somewhere in the book of Psalms, and you discover that David picked this up about him and said in Psalms 2 verse 8, ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts for your possession. David said in Psalms 29 verse 11 that the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. He went on and he said in Psalms 37 4 that delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now listen, I'm after something here. Romans 10 17 said that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm giving you word to build faith so that you'll know and believe. He's a giver and you can be a receiver and also be a giver yourself. David went on in the book of Psalms. In Psalms 84, 11, he said, the Lord God is a son and a shield. He will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Psalms 91, verse 11, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Next verse, and they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against the sun. I mean, I could keep rattling it on and on and on that says God is a giver, especially when you get over in the new covenant, but the verse that epitomizes it all is found in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he, his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everywhere you look from Genesis to the book of the Revelation in the creation, the scriptures as a whole, but where you really see God as a giver is found in the life of Jesus. Now, let me make this statement to you because we really need to understand this, especially growing up in the Bible Belt. Jesus came to this planet for far more than just to give us fire insurance. <laughs> Let that settle in. He came to this planet for far more than just, get, just to give you a ticket to heaven. You know, a lot of the church world, uh, when Pastor Jahan was up singing that God has given us a sound mind, I was sitting there thinking, I wonder how many people in the church world really understands that and knows that. Because their only concept of Jesus, God, Christianity, is that once I accept Jesus, glory be to God, I'm not going to hell. And thank God for all of the eternal truths. I know that there is a measure of truth when it comes to all the issues of eternity. But brothers and sisters, Jesus just didn't come into this planet so you could fly when you die. Jesus came into this planet to show us how to live a life as a son. He came to show us how to relate 
to the Father. Ah, this is what blew the religious people of Jesus' day's breaker because there have been priests in the land, there have been kings in the land, there have been prophets in the land, but nobody had ever showed up and related to God like daddy the way that Jesus did. And so Jesus came into this planet to show you how to relate to the Father as a son while you're on this side of the veil. If you know I'm right about it, say amen. And so Jesus came as an example to demonstrate the giving nature of God and to show us again how to relate to God as daddy or father. And the scripture teaches us in Romans 8, that's why we can cry, Abba, Father, which literally in the Greek means daddy, daddy. And even 2,000 years into a new covenant, it is still hard for people to wrap their mind around the fact that God is daddy to us. It's easy for us to see him as a, a cosmic judge who sits in some high back Victorian chair and he's on some planet somewhere three miles south of Mars and he's always got this club in his hand, in one hand, because the other hand is clenched, you know. And he's always out to get you and he's always ready to crack you when you mess up. Failing to remember that Isaiah 46, 10 says he declares the end from the beginning. Can I let you in on a little something? God didn't fall off the throne because you blew it yesterday. He didn't, listen, he didn't need Valium this morning because you had a bad year. He's not nervous because you don't have it all together. Now, I'm not saying to you that's a good thing. As a matter of fact, when you know to do good and do it not, the Bible said it's a sin to you. And when you keep on willingly missing the mark, you're putting yourself in a bad position. But when you win dumb prizes for playing dumb games, don't turn around and blame it on God. <laughs> if I sow bad seed and reap a bad harvest, it wasn't God nor a devil had a thing in the world to do with that padre. It was me and what I sold and what I reaped. Am I right about it? Listen to me, I'm, I, I've seen this over and over and I know that you have too, Pastor. You've been around for a while. We blame God for stuff that there ain't no way we do to our own kids. God killed them in a car wreck to teach that family a lesson. God gives so-and-so such and such, or uh, gives so-and-so and such and such cancer to teach them a lesson. Listen to me, God, number one, God don't have cancer. Now right here's the big one. Why would Jesus give you something he died to redeem you from? Shonda. Yeah, now speak in tongues. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the stuff we, we have preached and we have taught and we have superimposed on people in the church don't make a lick of sense whatsoever. You ought to look at your neighbor and say, bring your brain to church. Yeah, 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 bring your brain. <laughs> gotta move on here, gotta move on. Jesus came, Lord, I gotta move quick. Jesus came to demonstrate to us how the father desired to interact with his sons. 
So John 1.12 would say, as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The word power there is the Greek word exousia, and it means the right, the privilege, and the authority. Think about what that's saying. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have the right, the privilege, and the authority to become a son of God. Come on, we're not just lowly sinners saved by grace as worms crawling around in the earth just barely getting by till Jesus comes. No, 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 no. Jesus came to pay a high price so you could walk in this planet with your head held up high to the heavens with some victory in your life. Come on. Living as he did in the earth. Jesus lived a powerful life while he was in this earth. And one of the things that that made Jesus so powerful is because he fully understood the nature of God. He fully understood what a giver and a provider his father was. As a result of that, Jesus lived with an open hand to all mankind. He lived in a posture where his time his talent or the giftings that God had invested in him. And by the way, Jesus did walk this planet as a man full of God. We need to understand that because see, we think about him different than us in the flesh in the sense that, you know, he just floated around on this spiritual cloud and he didn't have the same problems we did. He didn't have, uh, you know, the same stuff that we would have went through, had the same feeling. Jesus came into this planet 100% man on the outside, but on the inside, he was 100% God. You know what happens to you when you get born again? When you get born again, you're still flesh on the outside. That's why you can still get goofy. But on the inside, your spirit man is wall-to-wall God. He came and he walked this planet as a man, full of God, to be an example to us as the pattern. He lived with a constant open hand. This keeps coming to me in the spirit right here. He lived, I was reminded the other day of a scripture that I got hold of, Pastor, a handful of years ago. I believe it's Psalms 145, 16. One of you preachers in here can straighten me out if I'm wrong. But Psalms 145, 16, David says that you open up your hand. I love this. You open up your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Think about that. Because see, again, this keeps coming to me in my spirit. A lot of us has related to God like he lives like this. But David said, you open up your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. I looked up, uh, looked up that des- uh, word desire one day in the Hebrew, and one of the, the Hebrew definitions literally means debt. Boy, you better know I grabbed that right there. I started confessing that, that he opens up his hand and he satisfies the debt of every living thing. Listen to me, whatever you have need from God, go to this book, 
find a scripture and considering you were created in the image and the likeness of God and God can frame worlds with words, we might as well just be doing the same thing as the son. So if you need healing, say what God says about healing. You need help in a relationship, say what God says about the relationship. You need some debt paid off, sow a seed and say what God has to say about your debt. Whatever the need is, he's already provided the resources out in front of us. We just gotta put our mouth to work. It's, it's, it's awesome to preach in here because the environment's so easy, but everything you say, it's like shotgun preaching. It's like pew, revelation everywhere and I wanna run rabbits all over the place. Stay on track, DR, stay on track. One of the greatest ways that Jesus demonstrated to us the nature of God in the sense that he is a giver and a provider is the way he gave himself. Man, that, that just... Think about the price, not just the physical pain that was inflicted upon him in order for us to gain our salvation. But think of it in this terms. Think about somebody who had never knew sin, who had always lived in a perfect environment, perfect peace, perfect joy. Come on, there's no conflict in the heavens, no turmoil in the heavens. That's what he gave up to redeem us. And the price at the whipping posts, the price with a crown of thorns being driven onto his head, the price being nailed to an old rugged cross, that's a high price, Brother Frank. And a terrible, gruesome thing to go, to, go through so we could go to heaven and live a victorious life in this planet. But I think about the price that he paid and what he gave up in order to go through that. And he did every single bit of it in part to demonstrate the giving nature of God. Look at this scripture right here, John chapter number six. We're, we'll have to fast forward just a little bit uh, for time's sake. No, I, I want to honor the house, sir. Okay. John chapter number six, if you would. I believe it's verse 37, I think. Notice what Jesus says. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Next verse, please. For I'm come down from heaven, now watch this, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Next verse. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that all that which he hath given me, I should, not, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. Now, there's a lot of things I'm going to cut through right here, but the primary crux of all of this is the fact that Jesus said, here is the reason that I came into this planet. I came into this planet to give myself as an offering for mankind, and God's given me some people that I'm going to bring along with me, but I'm coming to give myself for them. Now, here's what we got to understand about the power of being a giver. Whether it's time, treasure, talent. It doesn't just have to do with how that affects you personally. 
It has to do with those that God has assigned to walk with you while you're here in this earth. Because see, whether we want to embrace this or not, our choices of whether we're willing to give God our time, treasure, and talent, our choices and whether we do that or not directly affects the people that are supposed to be in our life on a daily basis, especially those that walk the closest to us that we're in covenant with. So Jesus is saying, hey, I come to give my life up for all mankind, but I'm coming to do it because you have assigned, you have given some people to walk with me while I'm here, and I'm gonna make sure I live with a consistent open hand because this ain't just about me and my purpose. It has to do with those that are assigned to walk with me. This is where the power of giving, giving really comes into play in our life because it's not just vertical. It's not just between us and God. Living a life as a giver also works horizontally. That's why that cross was vertical and horizontal as well because it was about what was transpiring from heaven to earth, but also Jesus was signifying that I got my arms stretched out for the entire human family here on this side of the veil. Now, let me shift this right here just a little bit. Because, you know, about probably a month ago, I think it was a month ago, this word began to rise up in my heart for this house, especially what I'm getting ready to share right here. And just, I mean, I would have to have like some kind of massive divine visitation before I went to pastor and said, Pastor, can I preach or blah, blah, blah. And not that I would be afraid that he'd say no, uh, I know if he felt like it was of the Lord, that he would give me an opportunity. But here's what I believe about my pastor. I believe he hears from God. And I believe when God puts something in my heart, that he's going to discern that. I didn't have to say a word to him. God gave me this a month ago. Didn't have to say a word to him that I had something. He came to me, said, this is what's in my heart and what I feel like we ought to do. And I said, amen, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Make sure y'all tracking with me. But God's been dealing with me about having a divine assignment. Everybody say assignment. Now the word assignment is not used in scripture, but we do have the word purpose that is used. And most of the time, especially in the culture we live in, our American culture, it's all about me, my assignment, my destiny, and my purpose. It's very seldom about the giving of ourselves for a greater purpose, right? Let me show you a couple of verses just real quick here that kind of blew a breaker for me when I got hold of this. Give me, I believe, Ephesians 1. There's two I want to read right here. Ephesians 1 or two portions. Ephesians 1 and 9. Now, lock eyes, look at this real, real good. Check in on this right here. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in Danny Ray Phillips. Didn't even say, back, back up. <laughs> just make sure everybody's tracking with me because here's the way we think which is purpose in Shannon which is purpose in redemption life which is purpose, purpose in Michael no that's not what it said it said that his purpose in where? himself next verse that in the dispensation of the fullness of time that might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him next verse in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of 
him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Notice ain't a lot in there about us. Next set of scriptures, Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to Next verse, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Last verse, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And them he justified, he also glorified. I could show you other portions of scripture. I could show you other verses that uses the word purpose and there's not one that talks about your purpose or my purpose. Every single time it talks about his. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have purpose, right? It doesn't mean that we don't have an assignment. I'm telling you the opposite of that. Doesn't mean that we don't have destiny, but what it means is that it don't belong to you. It belongs to him. Now see, the good news about that is is that it tra- takes the pressure off you to feel like you have to fulfill it. Because the true purpose of God that would be in your life, Padre, and in my life, there is no way we could get it done in our own human strength, labor, and effort. Every time God shows up to a man or a woman with a purpose or an assignment, every time their circumstance will always be contrary to it. And the reason that is, is by the time it gets done, you can't puff your chest out and say, look what I've done. But honey, you have to rear back and recognize there ain't no way I could have got this done all by myself. Look what the Lord has done. A little bit of precedence. Uh, precedence. Abraham, through your own loins, you're going to be the father of many nations. How many of you know he had a circumstance right off the bat that's contrary to that? He's too old. There's no way physically possible he can bring to pass the purpose of God in the earth in his own human strength, labor, and effort. What he has to do is yield his understanding to God. He's got to give his ways to God. He has to entirely give himself to God in order for that divine assignment or purpose to be fulfilled in the earth. You got purpose, you have destiny, you have an assignment, but it don't belong to you. It belongs to God. The assignment on your life's just to give yourself and God will put you with the right people at the right place at the right time and by the time that thing's done, God will get all the credit and all the glory in your life if you believe it, say amen. Three main things that jack us up if we're not careful when it comes to our assignment. Number one, our own dumb choices. Number two, the dumb choices of others. And number three, our circumstances. This is only if you allow it. Bad choices, other people's bad choices around you, especially those you're close to, you're in covenant relationship uh, with, and circumstances. Those things can become a hindrance to the assignment if you allow it. But when you live in a place where you are, are constantly yielding and giving to God your time, your treasure, your talent, what comes at you that's meant for evil to destroy you, God always has a way, like Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together 
for good to those that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. He's got a way of working it out because some of you are sitting in the room thinking I'd be here if he or she hadn't done that. I'd be here if I didn't grow up in that kind of it. Man, I feel this. I, I felt that quickening on my body. I'd be here if I didn't grow up the way I did. Well, my daddy was this. My mama was that. My grandparents was this. Don't ever forget this. You did not come from your mom and dad. You came through your mom and dad. You came from God. And when God sent you into this planet, he sent you with a, ah, Jeremiah chapter number one, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out of your mother's womb, I sanctified you and ordained you as a prophet into the nation. You can't allow the situation you grew up in to dictate you fulfilling the assignment of God on your life. Ah. Uh, I know some of y'all think he's a wild man. Neck swelled out, spit everywhere. I'll get it together in a minute. Am I okay, Pastor? That's all that matters. <laughs> we got just a couple moments here for a, kind of just a story. Because I, like to, to, I like to pattern it, prove it, and picture it. How's that? I feel like you, you do some sound teaching and preaching by pattern it, proving it, and teaching it. Where we get in trouble in this earth when it comes to living in our divine assignment, the purpose of God that he has placed on our life is when we get to a place where we stop giving. Especially, especially giving our own understanding or reasoning. Now, what I mean by that is, is that this walk as a believer is a walk of faith. And as a result of that, there's going to be many things that come in this life that God inspires you to do that you're going to have to give up human reasoning and logic in order to fulfill the assignment. You remember that scripture where Paul told Timothy to do warfare as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, and he said, do not be entangled with the affairs, everybody say affairs, affairs, of this life. That's the Greek word pragmatica where we get the English word pragmatic from. Yeah. Notice what Paul is saying. Pragmatic is cut and dry, everything to the point. It is what it is. Paul said that a good soldier of Jesus don't live that way. In other words, you cannot look at outside circumstances and allow that to dictate what you're going to give or how you're going to give of yourself or whether you're going to obey God or not. When you live that way, you'll find yourself in a mess over and over and over. We'll see it right here in the, in the life of Paul. And then we, we're getting close to being where we need to be. <sighs> Calm down, DR. S scriptures, please. John 19. Or I'm sorry, uh, Acts 19. Just making sure y'all are awake. All right, Acts 19, verse 21. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in where? Put your hand on your chest right there. It's from that born again place. Paul purposed in that born again place when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go into Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Key phrase. Keep going, please. Just, just roll with me. So he sent into Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. Next verse. 
And at the same time, there arose no small stir about the way. The same time as what? The same time Paul got Holy Ghost purpose breathed into his spirit man, there's some stuff that gets stirred up around him. Why? Because your circumstances are always going to be contrary to the God-given purpose on your life. Acts 20 verse 1. Watch how this unfolds. Acts 20 verse 1. And after the uproar was ceased, even though trouble may come, I'm glad that the Bible said, and it came to pass. It did not come to stay. It came to pass. After the uproar was reached, Paul, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts, he had given them much exhortation and he came into Greece. One more verse, I believe. Oh boy. And there are both, and there are both three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, as he was about to set sail into Syria, uh-oh, he purposed to return through Macedonia. Now, wait a minute, Paul. That wasn't in the original Holy Ghost plan. The original Holy Ghost plan was you to go through Achaia, through Macedonia, into Jerusalem, and end up in Rome. That's what God gave you in your spirit, man. But see, Paul is getting ready to do what a lot of us do. He's going to allow the Jews lie in wait an outside circumstance to allow him to make a choice to alter his course. Now, I know some of you are going to look at me a little bit funny because we think these characters of the Bible, they just floated around on a cloud. When you can't show me a one of them that was perfect, not a one. Come on, Adam, God created him. He sent the whole human family into a downward spiral of death, hell, and the grave. Abraham slept with his handmaiden. Jacob was a deceiver. Elisha dies of depression or what we would call melancholy. Elijah was hot-headed and called fire down. Read it close. God never told him to do that. He did that out of his own volition. You get on down, Jeremiah's a crybaby. <laughs> Peter cut somebody's ear off. Paul killed Christians. You ought to look at your neighbor and say, what's your excuse? Now, I'm not saying this to shake your confidence in the characters of the Bible. I'm just trying to show you that everybody God's ever used has been flawed. Everybody God has ever used has never had it all together. He's only got us to work with. So Paul could make a bad choice? Absolutely. He could make a bad choice. And so he does. What's interesting, when you read in verse 3, and I'm not going to be much longer here, but when you read in verse 3, where the Bible said that he purposed to go back through Macedonia, it's an entirely different Greek word than what was used in Acts 19. As a matter of fact, the one in verse 3 in chapter 20 means to decide mentally. Man, you think about that. See, because what Paul is getting ready to do, instead of following his spirit man, he's going to give in to his circumstance or his own situation and instead of giving in to God and allowing him to take care of the circumstance, he's going to alter his course. And from this point forward through the book of Acts, Paul is on his way to Rome where God told him to go, but he's going through hell to get there. Now, I'm trying to get where I need to go here, but I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, God has a purpose, plan, assignment, and a destiny for everybody in this room. And how much hell you want to go through to get there is entirely up to us. 
Jonah go to Nineveh. I'm going to Tarshish, praise God. Well, he ended up in Nineveh, but he went via well to get there. And you know what he called it? When he was in the belly of that well, the Bible said he described it as hell. And a lot of times we make dumb choices because we want to give in instead of giving to God our own human reasoning, logic, or understanding. And we find ourselves in a mess. Can I work this past just another second? Look right here. I'm going to prove it to you. Look, next chapter in your Bible, Acts 21. I'll read quick. Acts 21. Verse number one, and it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course to Coos, and the day uh, following to Rhodes and from thence to Patera. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went abroad and set forth. And now when he had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand, sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was done laden her burden. And finding disciples, notice, we tarried there seven days, disciples, believers, who said to Paul through what? Capital S, which means the Holy Ghost is talking. Am I right about it? Said to Paul through the Spirit, don't go to Jerusalem. And when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way, and wives and children, till we were out of the city and nailed down the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave, one or the other, we took ship, and they returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Tyra, we came to Poltima and saluted the brother in a boat with him one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. I'm glad women can prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, that's in the New Testament, by the way, where some people try to tell us that the gifts have passed away and women can't do nothing. It's in your Bible. And we tarried there many days... And there came from Judea a certain what? A prophet named Agabus. Now watch. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, Paul, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Guess what he does? He goes straight to Jerusalem. He said, I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me there. And from this point forward, when you read the book of Acts, it's tribulation after circumstance after problem because Paul, instead of giving to God his own human reasoning, his own way of figuring things, the Jews are lying wait, he tries to go his own direction and it's mess after mess after mess. Now, kind of land in this plane here. You read Acts 23, he's standing in front of the Sanhedrin. They're trying to kill him. You get on in Acts chapter number 24, 25, he's standing in front of the, uh, one of the known rulers of the day by the name of Festus. This man has the ability to take him out, snap of a finger. Later on, Acts chapter number 26, he's standing in front of a king by the name of Agrippa, has the ability to take Paul out, but he don't take him out. Then you get into Acts 27. This is where we close. Acts chapter number 27 He's on a boat with somebody and, or with a group of people and he tells them, tells the, the captain of the ship, he said, don't loose this ship right here. I got a bad feeling in my spirit that, just paraphrase it, that uh, we're going to get in some problems. And guess what? He didn't listen. 
And so somebody that was close to Paul made a dumb choice. And when you read Acts 27, what you find them in is in a big old storm to the point that it dismantles the ship board by board. And now they're floating around in the ocean. You get into Acts chapter number 28. He's marooned on an island. A viper comes up out of the fire and it bites him and it shakes, he shakes it off. Now, here's what I want you to see in this. Paul, an awesome man of God who gave us one of the most precious gifts that we have, two-thirds of the New Testament. But he didn't do that, and he wasn't used of God mightily because he was flawless. He was used of God mightily because for the most part, he was willing to give his time, his treasure, and his talents to the purpose of God. But even Paul, when he would get into a place where his circumstances would challenge his assignment from time to time like us, Paul would give in to his own human reasoning and he would end up in messes as a result of it. But here's the good gospel news. The Sanhedrin could not take Paul out. You know why? Paul got a word he was going to Rome. <laughs> Festus couldn't take him out. You know why? He got a word he was going to Rome. Agrippa couldn't take Paul out. You know why? He got a word. We're going to Rome. A shipwreck and somebody else's dumb choice couldn't take Paul out. Why? Paul, you're going to Rome. Come on. The snake can't take you out. Why? This is not the place God said it's going to end up. When God gives you purpose, he gives you an assignment, he gives you a destiny, they ain't no devil, demon, derelict, nobody else's choices, and at times your own gonna stop you from reaching your final destination. Some of you just need to go home and look in the mirror and say, this ain't Rome. This is not the place that God said that it was gonna end up. You will meet your final destination and you ought to give God some praise that you're going to end up there. Shut my Bible to give you all some hope. At times, the hardest thing for us to give up is our own reasoning. God has never asked me to do anything that I felt like in the natural I was equipped or had the resources to do. Never. I'm working a job right now that I did not start out with the brain power to be able to do it. But I got to work. When I first met Mayor Frank, I told Shannon, I come in, and I said, man, I sure do like her. I, well, she's supposed to be the mayor of our county. And then later on, after a few more meetings with her, I said, I feel like, and I knew Shannon would laugh about this because there ain't a political bone in my body and it's not about politics. But I said, I feel like God one, one day wants me to help Mayor Frank. She said, that is funny right there. <laughs> Having no idea that one day a door would open up that would land me in our local government serving not just with Mayor Frank, but some awesome, incredible people. I didn't come in there because I was skilled to do it. I had to defy every human sense of reasoning and logic that I had that made me feel inadequate to do it. Brothers and sisters, we read in Romans 8, who God calls, he qualifies, he justifies. God doesn't, God doesn't 
God doesn't call the qualified. I always love this. But he qualifies the called. And God will never call you into anything that he does not give you the resources and the supernatural abilities to be able to take it on. But what you got to give in exchange, and this is the big one, is your own human reasoning, logic, and understanding. Stand on your feet. Say that now quit right here. Think about this. This, this, when I think about this, this cracks me up. Here's you another given scripture, Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, I give unto you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a baby. And you'll call his name Emmanuel. Now that was a prophetic word given to Isaiah the prophet, I think he's maybe 750 years before Jesus, I think. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine Isaiah going home to Miss Isaiah and say, guess what, honey? I got a word from God. What is it? A virgin's going to have a baby. Pastor Jahan, oh my God, Michael, whatever you do, do not preach that Sunday. Can you imagine how he had to get up beyond his own logic, his own human reasoning to even, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But how many of you know that around 750 years later, whew, God watched over that prophetic word to the very letter. There was a little teenage girl in this planet that had conceived by the Holy Ghost. She brought forth a son to live on this side of the veil to show us how to relate to the Father and show us how to live where we can consistently give and us not feeling burdened down to do so. You know, the more you know Him, the more you connect with His nature, the more you walk with Him, whether it's time, talent, or, or treasure, it's not a burden. It's such a joy. Why? Because that's the God nature coming out of you. That's who you're really supposed to be. That's how you're really supposed to operate. You know, Pastor uh, wanted a time of, of impartation here. And I'm just going to make some decrees, if it's okay. And, and, uh, and then, then I'll toss the mic back to you and we'll flow however you, you feel we need to flow. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's a weighty presence of God in this room. If I just shut your eyes just for a moment. Father, we thank you for your presence that's in this room right now that there was such a high price paid for us to have it. And Lord, sometimes I know we get in a hurry and, and I know we got things to do. But Lord, you have given us this moment 
And so I pray that everybody in the room, just for another, another moment, that they would remove every distraction, remove every other thought other than what they are supposed to receive and what you want to give in this moment. I decree in the name of Jesus that every single individual under the sound of my voice, that their lives would be open to give to you like that they never have been before. Lord, I thank you that that encompasses our monies, our marriages, our mental state, Lord, I pray that faith has arisen in this room to give to you like never before because we see your nature and what a good father you are and how you've given to us. Lord, I pray that every individual in this room right now, that there's that internal struggle going on because You've spoke to them. You've asked them to do something. You've asked them to give in a particular area, whether it was time, treasure. And there's that, that, that struggle been going on. I thank you today that the struggle is over in Jesus' name. I thank you that faith has came so that they can release, which is a sign of trust, saying, I know that this may cost me something, but I know, Father, what a giver you are. And you would never require anything from me that you wasn't getting more to me. Lord, there is, there is supernatural purpose that is meant to be unlocked in this moment, in this room. And Lord, I thank you that there'll be none of us that is unwilling to give our own human reasoning and logic to you so we can embrace that purpose. Oh, that, but in all of our ways, that we would acknowledge you that we wouldn't lean to our own understanding. But in all our ways, we would acknowledge you and you will bring that assignment to pass. Lord, I thank you that a divine impartation of a desire to live, to give, rises up in this incredible body. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing amongst us as a result of it. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say, I believe it, and I receive it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.